Chapter 1 Three Years Earlier Wilmington, Delaware, March 2006 Orson Mulray was 53 years old. He stood six foot two and weighed 250 pounds, but thanks to a broad chest and wide shoulders he carried the weight well and appeared powerful rather than obese. He had a full head of gray hair that was trimmed weakly by a stylist, a large, fleshy nose, and a blunt, determined chin. He was not a handsome man, but he looked confident, competent, and prosperous. One could envision him playing a corporate executive in a movie, CEO or chairman of the board, and he would have been perfect for the role because that's exactly who he was— Orson sat in a dark blue suit in one of half a dozen graveside chairs. Delaware's governor sat on his right-hand side, and next to the governor was her husband, and next to him was a retired Delaware senator. The senator had been one of his father's oldest friends. On Orson's left were his son and daughter, his father's only grandchildren, two sullen-looking teenagers whom Orson had barely spoken to since divorcing his wife four years ago. The crowd standing behind the graveside seats consisted of over two hundred people, mostly wealthy businessmen and community leaders who had known his father and claimed to have admired him. As his father's coffin was lowered into the ground, the governor reached over and took Orson's hand to convey her sympathy and support. He glanced over at her, gave her hand a small squeeze to let her know that he appreciated her being there, then looked straight ahead his face appropriately solemn, as his father's casket descended slowly into the grave. What he wanted to do was leap to his feet and cheer. He didn't think the old bastard would ever die. There had been times when he had wondered, as illogical as it sounded, if Clayton Mulray had discovered an elixir for immortality. But finally, he was gone. Finally, at the age of eighty-four, his father's small, hard heart stopped beating. And as soon as this farce of mourning was over, Orson Mulray would move forward with his plan to become, quite possibly, the richest man on the planet. Clayton Mulray founded Mulray Pharma in 1953, the same year Orson was born. He worked eighteen-hour days— he developed an effective sales force, established a research division, and bought patents on promising drugs with money borrowed from greedy lenders. He learned how to bribe doctors to push his products on their patients. He manipulated the FDA to get his drugs approved, and he hired lobbyists to influence Congress. He contributed handsomely to those politicians favorable to his endeavors, like the retired senator who attended his funeral. At the time of his death, Mulray Pharma was the twelfth largest pharmaceutical company in the world, the eighth largest in the United States, and number 435 on the Fortune 500 list. Its revenues in 2006 were $18 billion, its net income $4 billion, and it spent $3.6 billion on research. It was a solid company. The problem at least from his son's perspective, was that in the last five years of his life, the old man decided he wanted a legacy. After a lifetime of self-centered overindulgence, Clayton Mulray wanted to do something to help his fellow man, and he tasked Mulray Pharma's R&D division to concentrate their efforts on cost-effective drugs for diseases that affect third-world countries, 
malaria, tuberculosis, measles, sleeping sickness caused by tsetse flies. Orson attempted to get his father to work on drugs that were more profitable, and on one drug in particular. Who gets bitten by tsetse flies? he screamed at the old man. Then he answered his own question. Fucking Africans, that's who. They don't have any money, you old fool. But his father could not be deterred, and Orson didn't have the power to overrule him. But now, Clayton Mulray was rotting in a $50,000 casket six feet beneath the ground. Following the funeral, Orson, his ex-wife, his children, his ex-wife's lawyer, and a few of his father's oldest servants, the chauffeur, cooks, gardeners, and maids, went to the office of his father's attorney to listen to a reading of the will. Orson sat there stoically as the will was read, showing no emotion.